Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And as always, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. You know, here we are at the tail end of season five, and this conversation is one that I've been looking forward to for a while. So if you remember way back at the beginning of season four, right after the trade show, right when we first got into COVID land, I had an episode come out. There was a two-parter called Sales Rep, Don't Waste My Time. And it was with Craig Newby and David Roswald. And it was a really fun episode. Now, right around that time at the HPB Expo, I connected with Scott Ramspot. And he's a representative for Cozy Heat out in the Midwest. And we connected. He'd been listening to the podcast and actually passing it on to a lot of us dealers. And we started talking sales strategy and best practices. And I found out that this guy's doing some amazing things with his group of dealers. So after the episode came out about sales rep, don't waste my time, Scott hit me up and he goes, hey, Tim, that knife cuts both ways. If you're going to do an episode called sales rep, don't waste my time, we need to do an episode called dealer step your game up and I can come on and we can talk about some of the best practices that I see in the showrooms that I go to. Now, as we got closer and closer to recording, Scott said that I needed to bring Nathan Lammers into the conversation. Now, About a year and a half ago, I flew out to Kansas City to do some speaking out there, and me and Nathan connected in the lobby of a Holiday Inn. (laughs) It's a funny story for a different day. But all that to say, Nathan is another rep out of the Midwest that's doing amazing things. And what's really cool about this conversation is that Scott and Nathan both compete with each other directly, like in the same market. But these guys are friends, and they're both excellent sales reps. This conversation is really cool because you really start to see their approach to growing their dealers and it's unique. Both of these guys really invest in coaching up their dealers and the salespeople on those teams. And I mean, this conversation goes so many different directions. We talk about the best practices in the showroom. We talk about sales process. We talk about what the bathrooms need to look like in a business. And I think that there is some absolute gold in here. And similar to when we had Art Ratcliffe on the program a little while ago, sales reps really have perspective. And if you're a retailer, I would just say take advantage of your sales reps. And and hopefully you've got a rep that's as good as Scott and Nathan are. They set the bar real high in this conversation. But at the end of it, I think you're going to have some really practical things to walk away with that you can put into play tomorrow and transform your business. Now, truthfully, a lot of the things we talk about, it's low-hanging fruit, but it is hard work. It's going to take focus and discipline. And that's obviously tough when the season is as crazy as it is right now. But it doesn't change the fact that The things we talk about in this episode are what the best businesses do, and I know for a fact that you can start taking advantage of it. So with that said, I'm going to get out of the way and let you hear this conversation with Scott and Nathan. As always, we'll circle back at the end and talk about it. Joining me from Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, Iowa are two competing sales reps, one from Cozy Heat and one from Mendota. I'm joined today by Scott Ramspot and Nathan Lammers. What's up, guys? How you doing? Great, Nate. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to have you guys here. And, and this, is, this is breaking into some new territory because, I mean, so we've had multiple guests on the show at the same time. We have never literally had two competitors 
on the show with me and I'm excited. I'd love to hear first of all, like how does your guys' relationship even work? Like Scott, why don't, why don't you tackle this first and then let's go to you, Nathan. Oh gosh, this has uh, been going on for multiple years here. Either I'm in the dealership first or Nate is and you get to hear, Oh, you're following Nate around this week or, you know, Nate's coming in tomorrow. So I'm like, Oh, great. So it's, it's been fun and I'll get on the phone and I'll call Nate or he'll call me and, give each other crap about it but uh yeah it's great to go up against him he uh he does well at what he does uh it's uh it's it's funny we uh there you've talked about on your podcast there's lots of sales reps that um that maybe don't deliver the goods or are not good at their craft and so when i'm out on the road uh, i can tell where scott's been i can see his footprint and uh, and so we do battle in a respectful fashion. He's good at his job, and so you know, I, you got to respect game. Respects game. I love that, and and I think I think that's cool. I, I think a lot about like LeBron James and like Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony. You know, like when those guys are on the court, man, gloves are off, and like I will crush you. But in the off season, what are they doing? Like they're training together, and like they ultimately want the game of basketball to be better. And I think that there's there's a, a good analogy there. So as we, as we jump into this, I, w- I want to go so many different directions because you guys are amazing sales reps and just have terrific insight into basically what the best dealers are doing and, and how do we share some common practices. Because the cool thing that you guys have in common is that while each of you wants to win, I think that you'd both agree that if dealers sell more fireplaces, the industry is going to win. So I want to jump in and talk about that. What I'm going to ask you is like, why is it so important to grow dealers business acumen in general? Well, I tell basically anybody that'll listen that from competing sales reps to uh, all the dealers I work with that I need them to be successful for me to be successful. Uh, I need them to be healthy financially. And otherwise, if, if, if they're not making money and they're not profitable, then I don't stand a chance with my brand. So first and foremost, the hearth shop has to be doing good things for themselves and their bottom line. And if, if I can help them be a better dealership, more profitable, uh, then ultimately they're better able to sell my gear. So that's kind of my nuts and bolts approach. Yeah. Along those same lines, if we can help the dealers be better dealers, they're going to sell more product. They're going to be better for all of us. It's going to be better for the industry. We're really trying to bring up the whole industry like you are, Tim, with your products that you're putting out in your podcast, which, you know, appreciate what you guys, what you're doing on this. Uh, it's great for the industry. I share your podcast with all of my dealers as far as, hey, you need to listen to this. Also love the other products you're putting out, the Wi-Fi. I think everybody, all the dealers need to look at that and see what you're doing on that front. But if we can help the dealers be better at what they do by sharing what we see on the road across other dealerships without sharing competitive information or without sharing specific information to that dealer, but if we can help everybody be better, we're all going to be better. Anything measured and monitored gets improved. That's awesome. And I appreciate you, you, you having those kind words about, about what we're doing with the podcast and everything. I, I think you're right. What what I'd love to talk about, so so last season we did an episode that was about, it was called Sales Rep, Don't Waste My Time. And obviously like it's a kind of a sarcastic, like catch, catchy title. And today's episode is called Dealer Step Your Game Up. And so what I want to do is, is I feel like 
I can say that. Like I've been a dealer for years and I, I know that like there is a level of game that needs to be stepped up and you guys have such insight into this. I'd, l- I'd love to just talk about some best practices and I want to start with the showroom. So as you guys travel, what do the best dealers do in regards to their showroom displays? Scott, let's, let's start with you and then, and then Nathan, you can chime in. Yeah, a great dealer showroom. It's clean. It's inviting. The noise and clutter is removed. They display the product in a finished setting, the fireplace wall. So it's not missing fronts, missing louvers. It's completed, it's clean, the glass is clean, the fireplace is looking as good as it can be. Too often do we see missing stuff or dirty glass or soot on the logs and, oh yeah, we're gonna get to that. Can you do that while you're here? This is your showroom. This is your place of business. This is where you make your sales. This would be going to what I often refer to a car dealership. If you have two car dealerships in town, one has dirty cars, they're not detailed, they're not washed, and the other one has nice clean cars, and these new or used, whatever, they're detailed, they're clean on the inside, and who are you going to buy from? You're going to buy from that dealership that has clean, presentable product. I'll never forget the time I bought a brand new SUV. This is in 2016, brand new, got in it to drive home, opened the ashtray, and there is a gum wrapper with gum in there. (laughs) I'll never forget that. So that dealership in Cedar Rapids, I will never forget that. I, I tell the story four years later, and I won't buy another car there. It's just, that was my experience. I'm buying a brand new SUV from them. So um, the dealers that do it well, they show the walls. If they sell all the wall material, stone, tile, marble, show it. Show it in a nice, presentable way that the majority of the people are going to want it installed in their house. That customer that walks in there, the husband and wife or whatever it may be, she doesn't know or he doesn't know anything about the firebox. They're looking at the whole wall too often. Yeah. You know, it could be a builder box in there and they say, I like that, but they don't like it because of the box, the firebox. They like it because of the wall. That's what they're drawn to. So we are trying to step up the game with the dealers by talking about this. I share, I've kind of shifted my business to more of a consulting business, if you will, that sells cozy heat on the, you know, that I, cozy heat's my product I sell, but I go in and talk strategy and business with my dealers. Yeah. That's amazing. I love, I'm just going to say that that analogy of the car dealerships is so good because it's easy to make excuses like, hey, we're busy. You know, oh, yeah, I know my service techs are out in the field. Like I've made those excuses. But the truth is that that customers, they're not desensitized to our showrooms like we are. And I mean, the, yeah, I mean, like seeing the gum wrapper in this brand new car that you just bought. Or I'm imagining like I bought a uh, almost new car a couple years ago and and when I get inside of it and it's detailed and it smells nice it makes me feel really good about making this purchase versus like if it's dirty and dusty and it's got like trash inside of it but yeah that's that is how our showrooms look if the glass is dirty or I've seen times where if I'm in a showroom working with with somebody you know sometimes a, a customer will come in and the team member will turn on the fireplace and it won't turn on and the customer's like, what's going on? And they say, oh, well, you know, we just got a, this model just needs to have a service call on it. It's like, wait, like, that's like me going into to test drive like a BMW and like 
the engine doesn't turn over. The battery's dead. And they just go, oh, well, that's just, that's, yeah, that, that's just this one. The battery's dead, and we just got to get that changed out. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, we forget what, what a bad customer experience that is. And I, I've been guilty of that in the past myself. And it's, it's sad when you go into a showroom, and I know I carry batteries in my vehicle, and I got to go out to the car and get batteries to replace the remote control. This is their showroom. And, and I don't want to be negative to some of the dealers, but this is your place of business. This is where you make your money. Are you in business to make money? I am. Man, I can't believe it. There's actually a, a terminology for that. It's called death by demonstration. If you're going to demo a product and it doesn't turn on, you're dead. Death by demo. So to your question, Tim, about what I'd like to piggyback on everything that Scott said, because all of that is true and all that has to happen. Um, But regarding displays, um, you know, I've been repping for 16 years and I've really started to hone in on making sure that in addition to getting display space, the display space needs to be, it needs to be right. It needs to look good. It needs to look current. Um, and one display that looks really great is better than five displays that don't resonate with the end user. And, um, so I guess if I could give advice to, to, to all dealers in general, it's, you know, if, if there's a brand new product that you want to put on the floor, cause you saw it at the show and you think it looks phenomenal and you think that you're going to be able to, to, to sell some of those and you're putting it in the wall and you say, well, what are we going to do around it? You know, what kind of mantle are we going to choose? What kind of veneer are we going to put on? If you're not, if you don't have an eye for design, if you don't know what colors to choose, don't guess at it. Uh, you know, call your rep, uh, ask for help, uh, consider talking to a designer, um, you know, find pictures of things that people are doing in their homes currently. Uh, you know, too often the display goes in, they're not certain how, how tall the hearth is supposed to be. They're not certain how high the mantle is supposed to be. And, you know, they get done and, and step back and look at it and go, huh, uh, that mantle is about 10 inches too high. And they're, you know, looking up at it. So that's what I try and do is just help the dealer make sure that their stuff looks like customers want to buy it. So that the customer doesn't walk by the appliance because they don't like the color combination that the dealer picked out because that's what they thought they should do. To speak a little bit more about that, we're in the design business, you know, whether it be the interior decorating or exterior with the exterior fireplace, but we're in the design business. And Nate and I share a common customer that we both worked with on designers. So the thing about it, a a dealer could go out to, depending on the market size, they could go out to local designers and work with them. I wouldn't give one designer the whole showroom, depending on the size of town or marketplace you're in, have a designer design one or two of your products and let them, her or him, know that you're working with other designers. They're going to step up a fireplace wall. That way, the designers in the market will see what you're doing and also steer business towards towards you. Yeah, Scott, I, I think that's awesome. I, I think that designers can offer you a ton of insight. They're always looking for projects and, and ways to get their name out there. So like, man, to have a dedicated display, I would imagine that that a bunch of them would, would jump at that opportunity. Um, one thing I'd love to ask you guys about is the idea of a sales process. So let, let's start with you on this, Nathan. I'd imagine that your best dealers have some kind of a sales process that, that, they, that they know the steps to take 
to move the customer to a, a point of purchase. And I'd love to tee you up there. Sure. Um, you know, if I had a venture, I guess I'd say that um, only 50% of them have a formalized sales process uh, that, that it's actually pretty informal. And, and what they're hoping for is to get a customer to sign on the dotted line when they're in the showroom and, and, and deliver a good sales pitch and, and point them in the right direction. But that the majority of them aren't formalized, that there's not a step one, step two, and step three. And, uh, and, and so I think that almost the majority of them could use a little polishing in terms of uh, what is my initial interaction? And do if the customer leaves the showroom without buying today, do I have all of the relevant information to follow up on that sale? And, and, and if I don't have it, why don't I? It means that my process, I don't have a process. Uh, and then also not even that, but uh, the follow-up, which is that um, you know, if, if, if you get the customer's information and they, and they walk out the door without buying, what's your follow-up look like? And even so far as if you follow up and you didn't get the sale, do you have a process when you didn't get the sale? Why, why didn't the customer buy from you? In my opinion, there should be a template for uh, when you didn't get the sale, you want to know why. What, why didn't that happen? Did you choose a different product? Did you buy from a competitor? And I think that dealers should be in, have the ultimate incentive to follow up to figure out if they're not getting the sale so that they can make improvements on their process. That's really good. I, I think follow up is is a silver bullet for most companies. When when Grant and I go in for these blitz trips, one of the biggest things that we talk about to dealers is is before we talk about marketing dollars or anything like that, we just talk about follow up. You know, is there a follow up system in place? And and most of the time, there's not. I mean, and there, and there's a lot of really successful dealers that are are selling a ton of product and making great money without their salespeople following up on anything. And so that I believe that's the quickest path to growth. And, and the problem with that is that you got to hire more installers. You got to hire more service techs because as you start following up, you will find that, that man, your, your, your sales growth is exponential. I think Nate was being very generous that 50% of the uh, dealers have a formal process. <laughs> I, I'm going to go out and on a limb and say it's far less than that to have a formal sales process, in my opinion. Well, and I think that one of the things that's cool, and I know you guys are really good at this, is a formal sales process is, I think, is is extremely beneficial. But we should just think about it as we're just we're just painting lines on the basketball court. We're just giving a, a loose map, and so so even for a company to have the clarity of like step one when they come into the showroom, our objective is to help them find the fireplace that's going to work and write them up an estimate before they leave. That's the only thing you're trying to do. That I think that's really helpful just so that way the salesperson can think, okay, I don't need to worry about asking for the money. I don't need to worry about, you know, what's going to happen in this installation. I, I just need to worry about, let's just find a fireplace that could work for them and get them a price. And then the next step is whether you take a deposit or not, we, we get somebody out to the house to, to double check all the installation parameters. And the third step is that either we install it or we refer it out to our subs, you know, depending on whether you, you, you do or you don't do in-house installation. I think just the clarity of those steps is is terrific. I mean, kind of like you guys as sales reps, like you've got a sales process where like step one is I go to the dealer and I assess the needs of where a product could fit. Step two would be I show them the options that could work. And step three is um, I ask for the sale and try to win the displays. But like just, just knowing what to do next is so important. And I think that there's a lot of times where when we haven't thought it through, we're jumping like to a deposit when we don't need to worry about a deposit yet 
or because we're thinking about so many things down the road, we let the customer walk out of the showroom without giving him an estimate. I think just the clarity of knowing those simple steps to take is really important. Yeah, I think that's crucial. And so many of uh, so many of our dealers are are um, you know quote unquote mom and pop shops. And I mean that, that was where I started was in a small shop doing installs during the week and retail on the weekends. And uh, and and so you know they're, they maybe were never taught a formalized sales process or or were taught a, a, a process, but maybe not somebody from within the industry. So I mean, if you can take if you can take your sales processes that you're developing and and start spreading them out th- throughout the industry, I think everybody benefits. Nate, do you ever uh, go down the road thinking about, gosh, should I open a retail showroom? And if so, I would do this, this, and this, and this. Uh, a little bit, you know, it, it, reps reps are a little spoiled in that regard because you know the retailers are are at it day after day grinding away at it and you know we're just traveling from dealership to dealership so i i try not to think that i have the silver bullet but yeah if if i owned a store i i would do things a certain way for sure and so just kind of back to best practices you guys have a vantage point that that nobody else has and and maybe we could go there next so like w- one of the things that that I think about a lot is I was I was taught by some very good sales reps in the industry, and and reps can offer so much value that I, I don't know if dealers are taking advantage of. Like for me, if 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 I could call up a rep and say, "Man, can I give you an hour and a half with my team to to train them on sales process?" Like I would take that all day long. I mean, I imagine that this is an opportunity that you'd love to take advantage of, but probably doesn't happen as often as you'd like. Can you can you talk about how much you do or don't enjoy getting training time with, with, with team members? I will tell you my best dealers, we have these conversations. We do these and we'll talk about this. We'll talk about strategies. We'll talk about displays. We'll talk about what's going on in the marketplace. And they'll ask, what are you seeing? What are you seeing out there? Um, so I do have some of these conversations. I would love to have more. Yeah, it's um, so that, you know, I feel like you're talking about the the anatomy of a sales call and um, and it, it my my best sales calls are when I get to hang out with my clients and we obviously know one another. And so there's uh, there's some social and and how are the how's the family? How's you know, how are the kids? And uh, but the most successful ones are when we leave and we've covered a lot of ground. We're going to talk about just like Scott was saying, what is working? What is selling? What what can we do to to fine tune our business, our our sales pitch, our close rate, get people excited about the product? Because um, yeah, you know, in addition to follow up, you also got to be excited about what you're selling. You've got to if you have a level of excitement about what you're promoting, it's far easier to close sales because you feel good and and your excitement is. Uh, you know, it, it gets transferred to to the customer when they see that you're stoked to show them a, a new display and how it might fit for them. So that's what that's a good sales call for me is when we cover a lot of ground in addition to just being social. Nate, I like the fact that you're talking about confidence because that's so important. And I mean, you guys both rep, I mean, incredible product lines for different reasons. And, and as you go in to train 
salespeople, instilling confidence is is everything. And I actually have a, I have a training coming up where where uh, I was hired by a company to come in and I'm doing a one day workshop with their sales reps. And one of the things that we're that we're going to cover is basically how do you structure a training session to where maybe for a new rep they're they're kind of nervous about going in and doing something that they haven't done before. And one of the things that I talk about is like, man, if if every time you go into to one of your dealers, call 15 minutes ahead and get a coffee order from the sales team. Or like, you know, bring in a box of donuts. And and I feel like people listening to the podcast are going to hear this and be like, Tim, like you've talked about like being a rep or it's more than just coffee and, and, and more than coffee and donuts. And it is. But but what I think about is I think about for me 12 years ago. So I'm 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 new in the industry. I'm in my early 20s. I'm I'm broke and I'm trying to figure out life. And when a rep would just take the time to call and say, Hey Tim, I'm I'm about to come in. Can I get you anything from Starbucks? Or like, hey Tim, I'm 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 coming in in a half hour. Can I bring you some lunch? There's an investment there that that really makes me feel good. Like the rep is investing in me. And then and then on top of that, when they train me, like when they come in and and, and they say, hey Tim, your 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 boss gave me 45 minutes. Like let's let's go through. Like like let me teach you some things about how to interact with customers and 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 talk about these products. That investment makes a huge difference and it instills confidence. In team members that that pays off to the tune of like hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales. I think that um, it, it's it's an icebreaker for sure. It's it's a way to, again, you know, people buy from people that they like. Uh, you know, you've you've mentioned that before on the podcast. And while you you have to deliver information and bring value, it's it's a you know I stop by Dunkin' Donuts on the way in because that Dunkin' Donuts is a thing in the Midwest and you know all over now I think. So, uh, and, and it's a, here's a dozen donuts. Now let's talk and, you know, how's your day going and let's just relax and we're going to learn. And, you know, I'm not here to lecture and I'm here to listen and teach. And so it really just is kind of an icebreaker for me. Well, generosity always wins. I mean, I think even for me now, if somebody just calls me up and is like, Hey Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, to subway. Can I, can I grab you some lunch? I'm like, Dude, yeah, like I'm in for that, and like, th- like that, that will like predisposition me to whatever you're gonna tell me. Like, it's the it's the it's the rule of reciprocity, and and we have to realize that. Like in the same way, if you show your customers generosity of like, can I get you a water? Like we have a snack here. Can I, let me give you a folder for this. We as human beings are predispositioned to people who are generous and who give us things, and I think that I think that like. This exists at the level of sales reps and also just with with dealers with their customers. And I think it's important to realize. I I am a big proponent, and I don't see it as often as I would like, of uh, retailers who have a fridge with waters and uh, you know, or a basket of fruit for customers. That you know, just again to to disarm people and say, you know, if you're going to be here for a while, and we're going to be talking about fireplaces, and and especially if you're standing in front of them and you're starting to sweat you know, uh, can I, can I get you a water? And I, I just want to make you feel at home so that you feel comfortable with me so that, and to your point, we're putting a fire into your living room intentionally, uh, that welcome to our shop, right? You know, that's, I, I, I think more dealers could do that. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I think that water is amazing. Honestly, have bottled beer, have wine, like, cause you think about this, that's a high class experience. We kind of forget, but people people are buying expensive products. I mean, if if you go into like 
a high-end designer clothing store, they always offer you a wine or a beer. Like if you go in to get like a really expensive haircut, like they're, 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 they're giving you refreshments. And I think that that's super important because we sell a very expensive product and we want people to feel really comfortable. I'd love to pivot too to think about furniture. Scott, like can you talk about, I imagine your best dealer is probably a furniture in the showroom, is that is that too much speculation, or, or is that the case? No, they're going to have it. Well, that vignette, that fireplace display, represents their home. So there's furniture, there's a table, there's stuff you're going to see in the house to make them feel like this is home. Too often, you see a display that's just sitting on the ground and not finished, and you're standing up looking down at it, and you don't get the perspective of the view that would be at home. But if you have a piece of furniture, you can sit down, you can have the customer sit down and look at it and they're going to see it from how they would see it at home. So my best dealers do, you know, it's hard to do it in front of everything. You can't do it in front of everything, right? But they'll have a couple key displays that represent the home. I've got, I I, I agree. I, I think you have to have a comfortable space for if customers are going to be there for a long time, have a comfortable area for potentially someone to sit down, the husband to sit down and read a magazine while the wife thinks about the fireplace. And then um, I think more importantly, uh, there's there's been a, a pretty overlooked piece of furniture in in hearth in general. And, it, and, and we're starting to turn that over a little bit in my territory, which is, um, uh, and I got to, give credit to a dealer, a small town dealer in Iowa, and she knows who she is. She listens to your podcast, but I've talked to, I've talked about uh, just the, the sales process where you sit down and work with the, the end user to help them select their fireplace. And, you know, people have guessed at it over the years, what that's supposed to be. Is that supposed to be a high top table and bar stools? Is it, is it a high countertop in front of a workstation for, uh, for a salesperson, and I pers- it, it is a bar height countertop where you're swiping a credit card. Um, and I think that the modern day sales space is a low table with chairs where you're working directly across from the, yes. the customer and working together in front of a computer to help them select what they want. And so I'm almost carrying around a sawzall with me in my car to <laughs> chop down these high countertops. <laughs> to eliminate the barrier so that people are face to face with one another and there's nothing to hide in the sales process. I, I, I'm not going to sit behind a countertop and write you up an estimate where you're not going to see what I'm working on. It should be totally transparent and totally comfortable. And so just, you know, that, that's another thing that if I could share a good piece of advice for dealers out there, it's make a shared workspace where the customer is relaxed and, and, and trusting so yeah that's so good funny you say that we built a house five years ago and our interior designer said oh we got to do quad seating right outside we have a bar and then quad seating i'm just like what the heck is quad seating now i know and that's that's exactly what you're talking about uh the quad seating where you're sitting down and you could talk and relax and talk through it it is a big purchase it's a huge purchase and it doesn't come up that often. So I, I think that, yeah, getting the customer to feel comfortable, like when you're, when you're standing in a showroom with your arms crossed, looking down at something like that's not a comfortable space. So you want to get out of spaces like that quickly. I'm a big fan, like you said, Nathan, of, of lower chairs, lower tables. Like I think that, I mean, this is pre COVID, but I think that having two 
chairs that are very comfortable angled in at each other with like a small table in between them is amazing for like your initial conversation. If, if it's just one customer that's in, you can sit down at one chair. They can sit in the other one. You can have the brochure kind of on the table in the middle as you talk or your iPad or whatever it is. I also like, I, I, I do like having a like a desk that, that has higher seating away from fireplaces for builders or for designers. So it's like you, you look at the showrooms or you look at the showroom first, you kind of find your units. Now you go to the working area to actually put their plans on it and, and, and pencil it out. I think that both are helpful, but the, the high bar stool in front of fireplaces, that that's not the right environment. You really want it to be low and comfortable when you're in front of those fireplaces and you go back to like the formal desk or the high bar top if you're really going to be like ironing out specific details of a, of a project. But I think that what you're trying to do is you're trying to eliminate barriers to come alongside of them and and come to their side of the table versus like you against the customer. And that's how it feels sometimes when you're both standing up with your arms crossed. Right. And another thing, just and, and this is the nitty gritty for sure, but uh, you know, there's customers that don't feel comfortable climbing up onto bar stools, and so you know if if there's an elderly couple that are looking to make a purchase, and and you know she's got to climb up onto a bar stool, that's that's sort of moderately awkward. So like, make a comfortable chair to sit down and 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 do the sales process. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I know it's funny. I mean, we're having this conversation about best practices, and here we are talking about like where the furniture should be. But I, I think it's important. And and I found actually in a lot of showrooms that that I go into. Some of the, the biggest improvements that I that I tell people is actually to remove displays so there's less of them. So that way there's more focus for the customer. So less displays. I love rugs. Like put down a nice area rug with with some furniture at it. Paint your ceilings black and, and change your lighting. And I, I think that's some of the biggest improvement that you can make in a showroom. You can have these conversations with dealers when they got the track lighting and it's super bright and it's a spot and it's pointed right at the fireplace and it's washing it out. I'm like, you guys got a ladder? Let's move this. You know, and too many times I'm literally getting up there and it's the halogen light that's hotter than heck and it's washing out the fireplace. Let's move this. Yeah. But better yet, let's get some different colored lighting, softer lighting and do it. Spend some time on that. Yeah. The lighting is so important. I mean, I think about in 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 my time, this is probably a year and a half ago, we, we had a showroom in, in Beaverton, Oregon, where I live and... It, it, we we had an investment of money in the off season to to really overhaul the showroom, and truthfully, we I, I got to think back. I don't. We might have changed one or two displays, but we we did basically nothing to the fireplaces. What we did instead is we had a we had carpet in the showroom, and this is like a lot of dealers where I, we just had like the, it was basically a converted warehouse, and so we just had carpet over concrete basically, and we had that like white fake like plenum ceilings that you see in, in showrooms all the time with, with fluorescent lighting. So our investment for the off season is we literally ripped up the carpet. So we had this nasty concrete. We just, we, we just did a concrete wash, like a staining over the whole thing. So it was gray, which instantly makes it super contemporary. So instantly we go from this like bad, mediocre carpet to super modern contemporary washed concrete and then we we blacked out the ceilings. So we we literally like I looked at the price of actually replacing all of the 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 plenum ceilings with black and it was super expensive. So we literally just masked everything in the showroom, we just sprayed everything black. And I can't tell you 
instantly. It, it, it totally changed the vibe of the showroom and it became very modern, very cool, very chic. And we put in area rugs and furniture and, and, and that showroom like night and day was just totally transformed, but we didn't, we didn't change the displays. It was just the aesthetics of it. And I, I think that we really need to understand that that makes a difference. Like people feel cool. They feel important when they walk into places like that. And on top of that, like they get to sit down, they're offered a beer or a wine or a water. Even if they say no to it, they understand like, hey, I'm in a high class environment. These people take it seriously. Absolutely. You can do it with minimal investment with stuff like that and make big differences. And it's so fun to talk to the dealers that ask, what would you do? Because we bring it up. We talk about it. Sometimes they listen. Sometimes the dealer doesn't. But uh, when they're listening, that's that's when it gets fun. I, Nate can agree with me on this. It's when they're asking what's working in other markets and we're not sharing personal information across the dealer network. I love consulting with my dealers on that. It's really interesting. In, in the past say six months, I've seen, uh, I've seen some turnover in the dealer network where, um, you know, uh, the, the business owner is selling to the next generation or selling to, you know, somebody that works in the business. And, uh, and, and some of the, some of the people are actually pretty young who are taking over. And so, you know, uh, you, you can't always bash on millennials because some of them have the best ideas and they're, they're coming in with completely fresh approaches to things like showroom design or the sales process or social media. And so that, that's been my most exciting recently, like very recently is watching the next generation of hearth owners do things differently and sharing that with some of the old guard and saying, listen, you know, Social media, while is it's it's work, but it's important, and it's important that you do it, and it's important that you do it with with the right type of energy because uh, Facebook is your sales demographic. That is your age group of the buying customer is on Facebook. So locally, you should have a good Facebook presence. It should be warm, inviting. It, it should be the same thing as water in the showroom, where you are welcoming them and 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 you're doing it digitally. And you're doing it with water in the showroom. You, you just don't have a choice. You, you have to have a Facebook presence if you're a small business. That's so good. I mean, you, you hit a few things that I want to I want to go after. You, so first, you talked about millennials, right? And uh, you know, as a millennial speaking, I, I think that there there is a lot of insight that millennials can bring to the table. And there's some baggage that you know many millennials have as well. But the thing I'll say is that millennials will deconstruct, and that's a blessing and a curse. And and proper deconstruction and asking, why do we do it this way? Oh, it's because we've always done it that way. That's not a good answer. Like why? Okay. So deconstruction is good, but I'll say, I'm going to quote GK Chesterton here. So GK Chesterton says that the purpose of an open mind is like the purpose of an open mouth to find something substantial to close it on. So deconstruction is good to a point, but you can't just deconstruct to deconstruct. So I think millennials really do, you know, in general, bring that to the table. But what you talked about with with Facebook and thinking about the customer experience, you're talking about things holistically. And this is where we get into brand. So like, you know, 
everybody in the world's on Facebook, like whether we like it or not, from 13-year-olds to like my grandpa is like 96 and he has a Facebook account. And, and, and the fact that like you're setting brand expectations with the way that your website looks, with, with the pictures and, and the things that you post on social media, and, and when you continue that into the showroom with a good experience, you're kind, you're generous, you're asking if they want water, that creates a holistic brand experience versus if you've got a website that looks like a third grader made it, they're, they're going to have expectations of when they go into your store and, and, and you're setting yourself up for, for, for failure because they believe you're not competent because of those brand expectations you've set and vice versa. If you have an amazing website that brings a customer into the store and then they have a bad experience inside, there's a disconnect there where you need everything to work together holistically. That's a great point you're bringing up, Nathan. And once you start that Facebook, you got to develop a cadence and stay with that cadence. Don't blitz it and then not do it for a while, but stick with it. Post, constantly post. People love to see before and afters, in my opinion. That's conceptual selling. That's transforming their house from this to that. I mean, some of our work is amazing. You can completely, with paint and a new fireplace facing and a new fireplace, you can completely transform a room. Yeah, you are absolutely right. I'd, I'd love to, to, to hear you guys talk about this. So you guys, I, I know that you, you care deeply for your dealers. And, and I would imagine that with many of your accounts, like you're friends with the business owner and with the sales team. How, how fun is it to get into a collaborative environment where like, yeah, like technically they're your customer, but you're working with them, brainstorming how to help them sell more products. How awesome is that when you, when you have those relationships? Well, funny you say that. I've uh, I've got a small group of dealers, and we have met, and not in the same marketplace, but gotten together in other in somebody's market, looked at their showroom, went back to the hotel room to the conference room, and talked about it, and met again the next day, and just trying to put together stuff so they can better their own businesses. So I've done that as on my own with a few of my dealers, and. We want to do more of that. They're like, hey, when can we get together again? I've moderated it. Yeah, I've I, I found more wins. Re- I've, I've, I'm having more wins at this stage in my career. And, um, you know, it, it, like to your point, not using industry language and, and, and sharing good displays in a particular market that are just killing it. And the dealer's excited because they're selling big ticket items and then taking that success story and moving it over to the other market and saying, listen, I know I'm a sales rep. I know my job is to I put my product in your showroom and that I've got a level of bias that you, you, you're aware of, but I want to tell you why this works and I want to tell you why it's important. And if, if we are collaborating and listening and we work at it together, 99% of the time it's successful. And, and that's a phenomenal feeling because then, you know, you come out of it and they call and they say, man, I sold four of those last week. And, you know, that's, that's win-win. I think, I think it's great. I mean, I, I think like everybody loves to talk about their business. Everybody's looking for help. We'll get back to our conversation with Scott Ramspot and Nathan Lammers in just one second. 
Hey, if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard me announce the Firetime magazine. And this is something that I'm so excited about. So like everyone in the industry, we were blindsided when Hearth and Home closed their doors back in September. And our goal with this publication is going to be a little bit different than Hearth and Home's. The goal is to produce content similar to what you'd find in the podcast from all kinds of different contributors to help you grow your business. And so this magazine is going to cover all kinds of insights on how to grow your business, how to succeed in the hearth and barbecue industries, and of course, provide the normal industry insight and communication that you're used to keeping up on. Now, this magazine is fully digital, and there's two ways to consume it. The first is that you can download the Firetime magazine app, and this is by far the best way to consume the magazine. It's an amazing mobile interface on a tablet tablet or a smartphone. To get a hold of the app, you can go to the website itsfiretime.com slash app. Now, if you want to view the magazine on a desktop browser, we have a special web viewer available. And so if you go to the website, thefiretimemagazine.com, you can click a link to read it online. So whether it's on the app or in a web browser, we have a prototype issue of the magazine available right now, totally for free. Now we release our monthly publications starting in March, but in the meantime, download the app, check out the prototype magazine and make sure to spread the word about the Firetime magazine. We are so excited to see how this helps you grow your business and your career and just know that it's going to blossom into something incredible. For many retailers, they, they operate in a silo where they don't have a lot of interaction with, with other people who can really speak into their business and, and, and just give them advice. And I mean, I think about like, sure, they can hire me and it's going to be super expensive. They got to fly me across the country and, and, and it's a big ordeal. And that's amazing. Like I want to do that. But man, there's sales reps in their back pocket where like they can call Nathan up for free because he's already selling him product and just be like, hey, can you take a half day and like, let's just strategize like my marketing plan. Let's just strategize like my sales process. There's all kinds of advantages to that. If you don't have the money to, to, to hire somebody from the outside that I think dealers really need to take advantage of it. So you guys brought something up that I'd love to, to talk about, and that's going to be the idea of insider language. So, so Nathan, you said that, you know, at this, at this stage in your career, you've been having some, some really good success kind of helping to eliminate that insider language, but, but dealers really struggle with this. Can, can you guys kind of talk about why is this something that's so important to eliminate and, and why do we struggle with insider language so much? Well, for me, it's, uh, you know, I've been, I've been guilty of this for a long, long time. And so I, I, I feel like I'm taking my medicine right now. Um, it, people tune out, unfortunately, when we start talking about CFM and BTUs and I was in a showroom a month ago and I listened to a sales pitch on an insert and you know, it made me realize that the they were, you know, the the even the names of what manufacturers, even my manufacturer, what we call stuff, doesn't necessarily point people in the right direction. And it was in in regards to an insert where he's rattling off the names of inserts. And I said, you know, I said just try small and large instead of blank blank CLX FV sixty seven Chaska whatever you want to call it. That doesn't mean anything to the end user, just tell them it's a large insert. And so, you know, for me, peeling all that insider information out of the sales transaction allows for it, it allows that excitement, like Scott was saying, that we're going to change your room. That like, you want to close a sale, get the customer excited about what you're doing. 
And if you start dumbing it down with, with weldments and CFM and BTUs, you're going to get them out of that excited mode. Um, you know, a, a, a colleague of mine who you've met, John Smith, uh, you met him at the Government Affairs Academy. We were at a show one time, uh, an industry show, you know, the HPBA. And of course, you know, people slip in to the, to the, to the shows and users who want to buy a fireplace, you know, not wholesalers, but retail customers. And so John worked retail forever. And so he, he looked at that as an opportunity. And so I listened to him give a retail sales pitch and he didn't talk about BTUs once. He didn't talk about thickness of this or, or ceramic glass that. Uh, he went straight for, this is an insert. We're going to put it into your home and it's going to change your room. You're going to love it. And he was so excited. He's like, you're going to love it. And so then that customer was getting excited and he didn't mention CFM once. And it was like, that's a good pitch. It's ironic that we circle back to the three of us on this podcast and I'll have to give Nate credit. It was a few years ago. We were talking on the phone and you're like, have you ever heard of this Tim Reed and this podcast he's doing? I kid you not. So it's ironic that a couple of years later, we're the three of us are on a podcast together. So I started listening to it and I was guilty of that as well, Tim talking BTUs and that industry inside language that means nothing. You know, you're so spot on with that. So don't talk about that. Talk about what Nate just said, you know, with uh, the other rep talking about that. It's, it's not CFMs. It's not BTUs. It's how this is going to change your world, change your life for the better, how you're going to feel when this is in your home. And Tim, if in the Pacific Northwest, I don't know if people work home shows out there or not, but you know, it's home shows and fairs and all those events where you're, you know, you're out in front of the public and, and, you know, retailers will ask sales reps to, to come out and, and work the show. And so you're spending, you know, eight, 10 hours of your day standing on your feet, pitching, sure. in, you know, on, on concrete, cause it's inside of a, a, an exposition center or something. And, you know, I did an, informal poll in in one of these shows a couple years ago and i think that 75 percent of the people who own a fireplace whether it be gas what doesn't even matter what it is don't operate them don't even turn them on oh yeah don't run them at all and again it was informal but as i'm asking them i'm like you have a fireplace oh yeah how often do you run it? Oh, we never turn it on. If it's a wood burner, they never operate it. If it's a gas fireplace, half the time the pilot doesn't operate. Yeah. It was installed by the builder and there's nobody servicing it. And so that's that's back to that excitement. It's I'm, I'm just sitting there listening to the, the, the customers saying, man, you've got something in the middle of your room that you don't operate. Let's change that. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and Scott, I appreciate you saying that about the podcast. I mean, I've been so guilty in the past of insider language. I mean, I think about me 10 years ago that I thought I was a great salesperson because I knew a lot of things about the brands that I sold and I could cram information and sound really smart down a customer's throat. And I had what I thought was good success doing it. But, but I fast forward a few years and I, and I actually look at like, what is real sales success? Well, it's, it's getting out of my own way, not having to look like the smartest person in the room, but instead becoming the best advisor for the customer and really bringing things down to their level. And, and truthfully, I'll tell you for me where it changed in a lot of ways was when I actually owned a home and I put one of our products into my own house. 
and and I I can't tell you what that did for me. I mean, I I've, I've got a I've got just an awesome fireplace in my house that's like it's not one of the super super expensive ones, but it's just a, it's just a great looking fireplace that that I mean we were burning it six seven hours a day, and everything changed because when I started talking to customers, I would just say, well, man, I got this in my house, and let me tell you, like it's amazing. My wife is so happy just to have this thing on while we're watching TV at night. And that's all you have to say. Like, so one of my friends, Chris Loper, we'll have to nail him down for a podcast interview soon. We were talking the other day and he gave the best analogy. He's like, you know, hey, Tim, if, if I'm going to buy an iPhone, there's, there's two ways to sell an iPhone. You know, number one is I could say, well, you know what? The engineers at Apple, they, they've got these just am- amazing pieces of circuitry inside this phone. And it actually sends, um, you know, 15 megabytes per nanosecond from the um, circuit board A of the phone down to the processor. And then there's actually this incredible, like, palladium carbide um, mechanism that, that delivers uh, this in real time over to the camera. And since the camera uh, sends that, that picture over to this part, like, I mean, I don't even know what I'm saying. So like, that's one way to sell an iPhone. Another way would be to say, hey, Tim, so I understand that you're, that you're in business and you travel a lot. This phone has a calendar app that syncs with your computer so that you're, you're never going to double book yourself. Like this, this has a, a navigation app that knows where you are in real time and it will always tell you as you change even with the speed limit how quickly you're going to get somewhere so that you're never late. This, this phone has the easiest interface so that anybody can operate it. Like which one of those makes me want to buy a phone? It's not the first one. It's the second one that actually tells me how my life is better with the phone. I don't care what goes on on the inside of the phone. I got to know how does this make my life better? And, and as, as soon as Chris gave me that analogy, I'm like, dude, that's it. Like, when we often sell fireplaces the first way, talking about the circuitry and the, and the path of electricity, it's like, who cares? Tell me how it makes my life better. You are so spot on with that. It's, that is a great analogy. Yeah, I mean, that, that credit goes to Chris, but, but I'm stealing it because it's, it's incredible. Uh, as we round out here, I want to ask you a really simple question. This is going back to the showroom. Do you guys pay attention to the bathrooms of the showrooms that you go into? Funny you say that. I was... I have that on my list to talk about here. A clean bathroom is everything. If Mr. or Mrs. or whoever that's looking at the fireplace needs to use the restroom or Johnny or Susie, the little one, and they go in there, the bathroom's a mess. It's, do you know how bathrooms can be? (laughs) She's, or he is immediately going to be turned off and think this is the type of work that this place is going to do in my home. So many times I have this conversation with dealers, like you've got to keep that clean, make it smell good, make it presentable to the public. Yeah. It's, I, I can't get over this one. Um, you know, you, you interviewed Debbie Hainig, who, uh, you know, I, I, I went to her course at expo in new Orleans about, you know, running a, having good displays, why are displays so important, having a good showroom and um, you know, I, I, I get it. Everybody's busy, but a clean bathroom is crucial. And I think it also goes to the other categories, which is, you know, installers, wear a belt, wear decent pants, don't smoke in the customer's yard, you know, wear boot covers when you go in. It's like these, this is like the lowest possible hanging fruit. Like, just don't overlook it. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast on its own. 
Yeah, it is. And, 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 and we'll have to maybe do that at a later time. I think there's a lot there. We, sh- we should actually do a podcast. Uh, maybe, maybe next season we could have you guys on. We could, we, could, we could do like the 10 pieces of lowest hanging fruit to, to transform your business. We'll, we'll have to think about doing something like that. But uh, I love, I love what, like the bathroom is so important to talk about. Every, every time Tim Rethlake comes into one of, one of my showrooms in the past, he, he always goes into the bathroom and checks are the 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 nut and bolt holding the seat on are they tight you know he says you know mrs smith better not be sliding around and and like <laughs> you, you, it's true like it's really true because you you think about like you're asking a customer to spend five to twenty five thousand dollars with you like that's insane i mean i like like you you think about like besides my house like how many purchases have I made between five and twenty five thousand dollars in my life? Not many, like just not many. I mean, if if I'm gonna go buy like a Louis Vuitton bag for my wife that costs four hundred bucks, think about the experience in that showroom. Do you think they have disgusting bathrooms that that are are just gross and um, and the toilet is like sliding all over the place, like? No way. Like we have to step this game up. And this is just a funny thing. One of I read this book that's called Two Second Lean. And and this is like, I don't know, eight years ago. And, and it gave me one of the best practices I've ever seen where we literally made a laminated sign that was up in the bathroom for customers to see with our daily bathroom cleaning regimen. And it had like step one, dust the corners of the ceiling and the lights and had a picture of like how to do that. Step two is clean the mirror. Step three, clean the toilet. Step four, sanitize the handle of the bathroom. So like step, step, step five and six gets into like straighten up the displays, mark anything that's missing. And, and so literally every single day in the showroom, it has a spot to mark the date and the team member's name. So, so literally like part of the training regimen as being a salesperson is every single day you clean the bathroom, you date it and you sign it with your name. And I'm not joking. We have made sales from customers that would go into the bathroom. They they'd come back out and they'd be like, your bathroom is gorgeous. And I would, and we would just say like, yeah, like every single day we take care of our bathroom and like, we're going to take care of your showroom the same way. Like Grant Falco talks about sales, winning a sale is, is a, is a race to 10 points. Now, I don't know what's a point and what's not like that. You got to figure that out in your business, but man, like having that clean bathroom, like that gets you something with the customer. Nathan, I think about like Sam O'Donnell. Uh, I, I, I had the, the, the pleasure of, of training him and he's, he's part of the Mendota family and, and he's, he spent some time working for me in, in our retail showrooms. Literally day one, I taught him how to clean the bathroom. Day one, because like it's so important because this is customer facing and like, man, your bathroom is a marketing opportunity for you. It's SOPs. It's standard operating procedures with everything from cleaning the bathroom to how the showroom looks to their sales process. It is SOPs, in my opinion. That way, no step gets missed. You're absolutely right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking for now, like as I've got, you know, my own businesses, I'm in the middle of creating and documenting SOPs and oh man it is painful it's so painful like literally even before this conversation I was in the middle of creating an SOP and it takes you like seven times longer to create the SOP than just to do the freaking thing yourself but you know what once the SOP is created I don't have to do it anymore somebody else can do it like and and, and it's going to get done the right way in the same way I, yeah you, you nailed it with SOPs and, and for anybody listening that, that just stands for standard operating procedures so oh, 
you guys have been, I mean, a wealth of knowledge. I feel like for anybody listening, like the title of this episode is Dealer Step Your Game Up. And and the truth is like, if we're going to have episodes called Sales Rep Don't Waste My Time, like we got, we got to go the other way too and say, hey, like th- this knife cuts both ways. Like if we're going to ask sales reps to step their game up, like we got to ask dealers to do the same thing. But what you guys have shown is like, there's a wealth of knowledge at dealer's fingertips. Like, you know, you guys, like, you have insight to offer. There's training, there's coaching, there's there's all kinds of things that you can give to dealers. And, and, and I'm just going to say that they need to take advantage of it. I mean, Scott, like, having dealer groups where they can come in and, like, brainstorm in, in, in someone's showroom and, and talk about in a hotel room afterwards, like, how can we help this dealer grow and have that rotating between different markets, like... That's unbelievable. And I think that, that you guys are raising the bar for what needs to be done in a showroom. And maybe just to, just to circle circle out at the end here, I'd love to ask you guys, like, what's the biggest opportunity that you think dealers can take advantage of with a small change? Mine comes from a bias space uh, as far as what I think dealers can do to make more money. Um, you know, we and we've talked about a lot of things, but I, I do think that it all begins with a sale, right? If we don't, if you don't make a sale, we don't, you know, there's no bathroom to clean. And so you've got to have your sales pitch, whether it be having a really well-organized sales funnel and, you know, kind of like your Wi-Fi um, or just your standard operating procedure for sales, you've got to be good at selling stuff. And, you know, you have to be excited about the stuff you're selling. And so just make sure that your sales pitch is spot on and, um, and, and, and you'll capture more of those customers and hopefully make more money. Have it secret shopped. I think dealers would be owners, general managers would be blown away by what they think is reality and what truly is reality on how the business looks in the consumer's eyes. That's so good. I'm yeah, and and I'll just say like when I secret shop, I use my own name, I use my own address, I use my own house. So if I'm in a different state, I'll just straight up say I'm in from out of town. But I, I'll tell you this: like I have, you know, there's only been one situation I th- I can think of in my life where I've actually even gotten to the point of them asking for my address, and I just gave it to them. I mean, truth, truthfully, like most of the time, like I just describe my house, I describe my fireplace and I talk about my wife and everything. And it never even gets to the point of where do you live <laughs> or, or can I write you up an estimate for this? What's, what's your address? Like, so I, I don't think you need to be dishonest when you secret shop. And I think that, that, yeah, I mean, just as, as a retailer to have somebody honestly evaluate my business and give me feedback is so important. I mean, there was, there was a time where as part of my 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 new sales rep training, I, I send them out to Secret Shop and they have like a, a one-page evaluation form. And there was one situation where uh, a team member got recognized because that person had just previous in- industry experience and uh, he got thrown out and 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 the, the place he was secret shopping was just furious with him and, and they threw him out and they were just bad-mouthing him. And, and I'm like, man, like that's not the right thing. I mean, if, if I knew that a competitor was secret shopping me, I would call the owner and just say, hey, can you, whatever feedback they give you, can you give that to me? Like, I really need that information. And, and if you want to, I'll do the same thing to you. Like, man, I, I think it's so important to get that. You, you need an honest, unbiased assessment of your business and however you can get that, the better. Nate and I talk about this. Even though we're competing reps, we want to bring 
all of our dealers up together so they understand margin, they understand profitability. They do a better job. It's our job. It's my job to push Cozy Heat. Nate's job to push Mendota. But if we can bring the whole industry up together where everybody's making money and understand the profitability, we all win. And that's what this is about. That, that's a great way to end it. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast that a high tide raises all ships. And I, I think that you guys have given dealers a lot. I think I think you guys are very gracious to come on as competitors and to, and to share best practices. But man, you think about what we've covered. Like we've talked about like your showroom, your displays, furniture, tracking your sales, follow-ups, like go down the list. I think there's a lot here that dealers can can take as a challenge to say, you know what, I am going to be the best dealer in my market. Like, you know what, there's not going to be a display that doesn't work. There's not going to be a display that has dirty glass. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to have a disgusting bathroom. I, I I think there's a lot here, and I, I appreciate you guys making time for it. Of course, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, thank you for all that you do for the industry. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, you talked about this earlier, where sometimes a showroom needs to eliminate some displays and clean it up and get rid of some noise. You're absolutely spot on. Having these fireplaces all stacked on a wall just to show boxes doesn't do us any good. We need to show the wall how it's how it's going to look in our house. Conceptual selling. Well, and and perceptive reps like you, you know that that you're you're going after turns rather than volume like just just like like you guys said you know it'd be better to have two displays that we get some serious traction and turns on than eight displays where we're unfocused and we're not moving the needle so i think there's a ton here and i just i appreciate what you guys are doing bringing value to the conversation thanks for stopping by appreciate it cool thanks a lot Tim. thank you tim see you scott Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Scott Ramspot and Nathan Lammers. I'm telling you, I personally got a ton of value out of it, and I know that the things that were discussed can transform your business. There's a a couple of them that I want to hit on the way out here. You know, first off, early on in the episode, Scott and Nathan brought up the analogy of buying a car. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this as I've gone into secret shop, and I've been guilty of it too myself in the past, where someone comes in to look at a fireplace and maybe the glass is filthy or you go to turn it on and it doesn't work. And so often the salesperson just says something like, oh, well, we just got to get that serviced or you know what, that one's not working right now. And I I just love it the way that they painted the picture of like, that'd be like going into to to drive a BMW and the engine won't turn over because the battery's dead. You know, that's not a great impression for the person that wants to buy the car. So we have to remember that in a showroom, it's the little things that make the difference. And having clean displays, having stuff that works, batteries in your remotes is really powerful and it makes a difference. Next up, I know that a big thing Scott's done is he actually facilitates dealer groups where he takes dealers that are non-competing and actually gets them together sometimes in person to share best practices and look at each other's businesses. Now, there's a number of dealer groups that go on across the country and I know people that have made huge strides in their business because of it. It's, it's one of the best ways to break free from just the tunnel vision that, that happens when, when you're in the trenches day in and day out and get some perspective. Because the cool thing is that in our industry, believe it or not, there are people that have been further down the field of landmines than us, and they can actually point out where some of them are so that we don't have to step on them. 
investing into some kind of dealer group is worth its weight in gold. And if you can make the commitment to getting together, sharing regularly the good, the bad, and the ugly, you're going to find that your business, it's like it's been given a superpower to get to the next level. And frankly, that's a big part of what we're trying to do inside of the Firetime Network is try to connect like-minded business owners so that they can grow. Now, Nathan talked about this a little bit, and I know that for him personally, he does a lot of sales coaching with the retailers that he works with. And, you know, one thing I'll say is that if if you listen to this and your reps try to invest in coaching for you and your team members, man, listen to it. You know, if you have a rep like Nathan or Scott, I mean, literally, like they're coming into your business for free and they have the ability to help your team be more effective, like give them time. Make sure when they come in that your team is fully focused, that they're engaged, that they're not tuning them out or picking up the phone or or anything like that. Like keep them focused on these reps because, I mean, I'm just telling you from my own experience, like the way that I was taught in the industry was by great sales reps coaching me up. Now, as we close out today, we're coming up on the end of the season, and as always, we are going to end season five with a Q&A episode. And so if you have questions that have come up from this season or past podcast seasons that you want addressed, send me an email. My email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com and we'll make sure to address those in the last episode of this season. Well, hey, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you would like to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash itsfiretime. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. You can contribute whatever amount is good for you, but just know that everything that you contribute goes towards outsourcing the administrative costs of this podcast so that we can continue to deliver the highest quality content possible. Now, as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. I don't take it lightly that every season people listen and get value out of putting these things into practice, and it means the world that you've chosen this podcast to be a resource for you. So just know that right now, like you're in the thick of the season. It's a crazy year where, you know, most businesses are totally tapped out in capacity. And just know that the work that you're doing matters. It might seem like you're not making any forward progress, but I guarantee that even if you can't do anything about it now, you are thinking about this season differently. And come off season when you've got some time and money in your hands to invest, your business is going to look different a year from now. So stay strong. And as always, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough slow is fast and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to we'll see you next time